here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers. Going inside and breaking down the game and finding out what all the data means. Welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm your host, Mark Sapphors from the Tennis Menu, and we are joined by co-host, the man with the numbers, the man who counts sheep in his sleep. It's Mr. Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Thank you, Shane, once again for joining us. Hi, everyone. I, I, I certainly don't count sheep in my sleep. I follow my sleep straight away. So <laughs> no, it's great, great to be back. And yeah, I think we, we've been now on court for a couple of weeks since uh, the restrictions of ease. So it's um, great that uh, I'm seeing so so much so, social media, seeing uh, not only the tour players having a hit, but um, most uh, recreational players back on court. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really nice to, to see people getting back to some normality. And, and obviously the, the pro players are starting to get back some training load into them. And, you know, there was, I think I read Nadal was, talking about um he was basically doing nothing he was in a place where he had no tennis court and he couldn't do anything for a few months and quite an amazing thing our world's going through but uh, it's good to see the players are back into it and you know obviously Nadal who we're going to speak a little bit about now and in, in what we're about to do is you know obviously just had a nice freshen up and uh, he's ready to go again so uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Nadal in a different way we've decided that we're going to talk about how we look at a hypothetical scenario and you're going to bring me some numbers being obviously the data guru that you are and we're going to talk about a match scenario and we're looking at Nadal versus Zverev and we're going to look at how we plan to play if we were coaching each one of them how it would look in terms of strategy from the numbers that you provide to what the coaches are able to do and what the coach is able to plan for so Nadal's Zverev is an interesting matchup because we've had some really interesting tussles over the time Shane and you know you've mentioned to me in the past that some of the ploys that Zverev used against Nadal have worked and we talked in a previous episode about the way Burdich plays Nadal and I think Zverev taken a little bit of a leaf out of Burdich's book at times in the way that he plays him and you know I'll, I'll start with you and what you what your numbers are telling us about this matchup and I think it was deliberate by us to sort of pick this matchup because Zverev's had a little bit of success in matches against Nadal, but he's only only beaten him once in, in London last year. But Nadal's had the rest of the head-to-heads really been in Nadal's favour, despite the close matches. And good to sort of unpick this from a data perspective. But then, as Mark touched on, there are certain tactics that Zverev can actually use. So Burdich was one that Mark mentioned, but but also tactics that Djokovic uses that we feel that Zverev can actually um, implement himself as well. So might start off with sort of a, a game plan that we. we would potentially come up with the first things around really attacking the Nadal forehand and and this is something that might shock people is we've seen plenty of video where Nadal's hitting you know there's banana bending uh, forehand up the line or he's passing from ridiculous places in the court but the data does show that if, if you're in an attack and you go to the Nadal forehand there's an opportunity for you there start there very interesting starting point because everyone looks at Nadal's forehand as the weapon and it is Nadal's forehand is a weapon when he's able to set his feet up. And, you know, obviously he can play from all parts of the court, but when he has time to set up and when he has time to swing, you're in a bit of trouble because he gets the ball flight, he gets the spin, he gets that ball getting over the net with a certain amount of height and shape that it pushes you way back and... You know, obviously, like you said, the banana bender forehand is, is a really challenging one to play and, and one that a lot of players struggle to hold their court on. So what you need to be doing is generally, I always talk to the players about your biggest strength is sometimes your biggest weakness. And even though Nadal is able to, to penetrate the court from that forehand side, 
He's also very susceptible on that side as well. And he wants to set up in his backhand corner. But if you keep him in his forehand corner, he really struggles because then you can open up that backhand side and get him on the move playing a defensive backhand. So I feel like he'll hit a lot of winners and forcing errors off the forehand. But I feel like, Shane, and I don't know what your numbers say, there's a lot more errors that do come off the forehand wing of Nadal, especially on fast, hard balls. And also the fast, probably first serve would probably be a challenging one for Nadal to be able to to get the shape that he wants on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a couple of things in that uh, which Zverev can use. And, and the fact that he's big, strong, tall, he has the power of both his forehand and backhand to rush Nadal. The other thing is he can take the ball earlier, so inside the court, particularly the backhand on the rise. He's able to do that, which not many players can do. And, and, and I did touch on sort of uh, Djokovic being the other one that can do that quite well. So so that's one of the reasons why I think if we're talking about numbers again, uh, when we crunch the numbers, we're saying he should be attacking the forehand. So still have the variety to be able to go back in. I might move into the second one, and that was the serve, and Mark touched on it before. Same concept on the first serve, go to the Nadal strength, and we're saying like 65% of the time. Yeah, and I think that's a really big ploy. And, and obviously by going to the strength, you can then open up the weaker side. When I say weak, and Nadal's backhand is not weak by any way, shape, or form. But what he can do from the forehand to the backhand is a, a very different situation. The forehand obviously can do so much damage with the ball shape and, and spin, and, and the speed he can hit it at is incredible. And obviously you want to be able to hold your ground. Nadal's ploy when he plays plays is force you back, create some angles, get you on the move, dictate with his forehand. You know, Djokovic plays it really well where he can hold his ground on his double-handed backhand. He can change direction and not stay in that forehand to backhand rally. You know, if you let Nadal go his forehand to your backhand, get you high and heavy, you're going to be shifting back off the baseline too often, lose court position, and then he just dominates from there. So, you know, I think it's all about trying to make sure Nadal just can't set up. And, and Zverev's done it really well in the past where he's been able to, you know, punch a backhand down the line and change direction and get him on the move. And I think that is where you can really get Nadal and get him off balance. But, you know, he's got to be able to hold his ground in this situation. The other big thing to, to sort of think about as well, Nadal, and the data shows this as well, he's not a big return uh, winner player. So he doesn't actually crank a, a winner off the return often. He'll set it up. He's attacking. Don't, don't be wrong. But he's trying to set it up for the, the next shot and the next shot after. So going to the forehand and taking away his ability to set up subsequent shots by rushing him for pace, it really sets you up well in the point. And Zverev's got a big serve. He, he should be using it as much as possible. Yeah, he's got, and Zverev's got long levers, you know, long levers in terms of length of arm. And he's so tall and he can really pop the ball. He can get a lot more momentum and generate more speed due to those factors. And, you know, I think he has to utilize that in this match to be able to penetrate Nadal. And if he doesn't utilize that, Nadal's going to be penetrating Zverev's court. And you can't allow him to be able to do that and give him time and space. So Zverev's ploy has to be take time and space away. It has to be to come forward and not allow Nadal to set up and take the advantage. Yeah, and the, the next point really is we know Nadal's plan to right-handers. He, he's going to go to that backhand corner. So Zverev needs to expect to get a lot of backhands. But I think what we would be suggesting to him is he, he needs to be aggressive on those backhands. Try and take that away. Psychologically, tell Nadal, I'm not afraid of you going to my backhand. I can attack you still with it. And the only times I've seen Nadal a little bit psychologically beaten on court is when Djokovic has really taken away that ability for Nadal to find a spot and attack in that backhand corner. And, and I think this is something we should be trying to explore with Zverev as well. Yeah, I think Djokovic's done that amazingly well. 
uh, against Rafa. And I know fifth set, the Australian Open final, I think it would be 2018 or 19. You can correct me. You're, you're a guru at the numbers. But where Federer in that fifth set, he was down, I think, 3-1. And then he just went, you know what? I'm stepping into everything. And he just took away Nadal's time and space. And that, you know, is another example of that's a creating a recipe for success because other players have done that in the past have been successful at it. Nadal had been notorious for being able to keep Federer off the baseline, you know, pushing him back. And if Federer doesn't hold his ground in this situation, then Nadal's going to take that court space away from him. And you can't allow Nadal to move Zverev around. If he's moving Zverev around, Zverev's a bit of a taller guy, struggles in his movement a little bit. And if you get him on the move, then, you know, he's going to be in trouble. So Zverev has to hold ground on that backhand wing. And like you said, maybe change direction in the Djokovic way. There are real sort of uh, plans for, for Zverev. We might flip it and look at if we were advising Nadal. This one is, is a bit easier because I suppose we've got the historical record uh, of Nadal having so many wins against Zverev. One of the things that he's done well, and we've reinforced this, is to use that forehand to the backhand corner. Almost do it as a two to the backhand and, and one to the forehand, just so you're starting to get Zverev on the move as well. And it's interesting when you flip it and you think of, okay, let's let's plan, and you're coaching Nadal and you're sitting in the coach's box and you think, you know, what do I tell you know my player? I probably wouldn't say a word. I <laughs> just let him play. And go, you know what, dude, you, you, can, you can play okay. So, you know, how about you go out there and do your thing? But no, you're right. I think, you know, it's about playing to your strengths all the time. And even if, you know, you have the best plans in the world, you know, and you get the data from someone like yourself, Shane, I think as a coach, I would be, you know, really stressing the fact that, hey, Rafa, go out and play to your strengths. You know, your forehand to his backhand, you know, dictate with your forehand, get him on the move. You know, that would be the most important thing, you know, and at times Rafa has been, you know, off on his game and, and it's all about going back to what you're really good at and what he's really good at. He's playing high, heavy, shaped the backhand corner, you know, plenty of margin, plenty of space, plenty of height, you know, push the opponent back and you dictate from there. All those things Mark said and we've talked in previous episodes about how robust that pattern is for him so he can do that almost with a blindfold on. Yep. The other thing I think on serve, what he's done well against Zverev is mix it up actually. He mixes it up more against Zverev than he does against a lot of the other guys in the top 50 and he still goes predominantly to the backhand side but he hits some T-serves but he also uses the body serve jamming Zverev. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because the body serve on a taller player and this is something that a lot of our, our listeners can take with them when you're playing taller players that have longer arms longer legs you know this big big reach which is really hard to get them on on the move because they, they can reach so far but what you can really do well is jam them up because they want space to be able to use their long levers to create power but if we can take away that time if we can take away that space jam them up it's the next ball you can attack on. It doesn't need to be the serve. So I think it's important that we understand that obviously Zverev is a tall player. You look at guys like Burdich or like Isner or, you know, Ivo Karlovic. And these guys can reach a long way, but they really struggle when you jam them. And that's a great ploy that Nadal obviously uses to his advantage is he jams up Zverev for, for space and then he's not able to then penetrate the court like he would normally, therefore setting up a really easy second shot or easier second shot to be able to dictate and and create, uh, create some width in the match. And that's what Nadal wants to do against Vera is create width in the match. Zverev wants to create the match to be narrow uh, because Zverev's movement isn't great. So, you know, he wants to keep the ball up and down the middle, but Nadal wants to create the angles and go, you know what, let's play a lateral game or let's play a movement game. So that's where the difference lies between the two players. Finally, and, and this is a, this is one I was surprised to see that Nadal actually used more on clay than, than uh, the, the other surfaces, but... 
uh, coming forward. So Nadal comes forward and particularly against Zverev at about the fifth, sixth shot in the rally. So four, five, six, he's at the net. And I suppose if you look at the shot preceding that, he's doing everything to try and get Zverev out of position in the court. So I think it's a plan that's worked well uh, and, and I'd encourage him to keep doing that. Yeah, and I think Zverev isn't the greatest defensive player. I think we all know that. I think in offense, you know, and this is where I think the numbers hopefully will tell us a story and we can dive deeper into this as we go along into another episode, Shane. But I think defensively, Zverev isn't anywhere near the top guys. You know, offensively, I think he's great and he can really pop the ball and do really some really good things. But I, I'm a big believer that defense wins championships. Defense wins Grand Slams. Defense wins premierships in different team sports. It's the defense that sets apart these players. And once Nadal gets Zverev on a defense, he just comes in and gives him no core to work with. You know, because he's reaching, he finds it very hard to be able to do anything off the reach. And then he takes away his court space. And that's exactly what you need to do against players that, you know, are longer limbed, are taller and like to penetrate the court, you know, through power and, and, and dictate from the center of the court. Once you get him on the move, you know, I think like Nadal does, he gets in and, and finishes a point from the net, which is a, a great ploy. And I think Nadal is a much better better defensive player than Zverev and I think you know they're both pretty similar in offense but you know I think Nadal's worked out that if you get him on the move get him pretty quick that was us uh, giving our plays on a, a hypothetical matchup certainly one I, I look forward to seeing these guys play uh, when the tour resumes but for, for hopefully another couple of years I, I'm very keen to see the development of Zverev he's certainly come on done extremely well really at, at his age to have so many Masters titles uh, he probably hasn't put it together in slams as uh, much as he would like but we did see a semi-final run the AO so I think it's all heading in the right trajectory so Mark uh, I'd love to to keep doing this kind of analysis with you in future episodes yeah I think it's a really good thing to look at because as coaches we probably need to learn to be better at this breakdown and the more you can sort of break down little one and two percent things in, in opponents it's really important but on the flip side it's really important to play to your strengths as we've always spoken about on this show and you know, if you keep to your strengths and then, you know, highlight one or two areas of your opponent, I think then you're going to hold yourself in a really strong position to win, to win a lot of matches. And we hope this has helped you out there to understand how we would break down a player uh, or players in particular. And we'll, we'll go into this a bit further as we go along too. I think there's more players we can start to break down and they might come come hunting us down. <laughs> so uh, we might need to hire some bodyguards. But thanks once again for your numbers. You know, as, as always, you're... Uh, you're the man with the, with the numbers and I really appreciate you spending time breaking down these players as you did today. And, you know, again, you're looking slick and the, the, the data is slick and it, and it matches the hairdo. So well done again, Shane. Thanks for joining us. That was Shane Leonage from Data Driven Sports Analytics. You can find him all over social media. He's the man with the numbers. You know, hunt him down because he has some incredible information and insights into the game. And I'm Mark Sapols from the Tennis Menu. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of Crunching the Numbers. You've been listening to Crunching the Numbers. Make sure you subscribe to receive all the First Serve podcast. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.